Anytime they found themselves in a group of people, they just began to share, to speak this very simple message, Jesus saves. That was their message. Jesus saves. Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross to pay for your sins. He defeated death when he rose from the dead, and you can come under God's grace by putting your faith in him. That's the message. No, no special illustrations, no clever jokes, just this very clear message that Jesus saves, and it was enough. The gospel was enough for them. It was enough for people to come under God's grace. God loves you. He's already solved your biggest problem, your brokenness. The Bible calls it sin. It's your biggest problem, and Jesus has already solved that problem for you. He's already defeated your greatest enemy, death. It's already been defeated. And now we can put our faith in him. And when we do, you know how God responds when you come to him? Like a father who's generous with you, who's open arms to you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that is enough. It doesn't need to be helped, is my point. Receiving the gospel, that's how we come into eternal life. That's how we come under God's blessing. And I know it sounds way too easy. It feels like I should have to work for it, but you don't. The gospel is enough. There's this verse in Romans, right at the beginning of the book. Uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, the gospel, is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The power of God is in the gospel. It's in the good news. The power of God is in faith in Jesus. The gospel, simple faith in Jesus, that's the gateway through which every good thing that God would do in your life passes. Through simple faith in Jesus. The power is in the gospel. Have I made that point clear? The gospel is enough. Okay. So now what? Okay, I don't think anybody here is going to argue with me on that point, at least not biblically. I think it's, it's pretty easy to get to the point where you could say, yeah, the gospel is enough. Now what? What do I do with that? How do I live the gospel? We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Jesus' most famous teaching, uh, his most famous sermon. And it shows us, Jesus shows us in the Sermon on the Mount how to live as people who have received the gospel, the good news about Jesus. People who have received the gospel, this is what they do. They build their lives on the foundation of God's word. That's how you live the gospel. People who have received the gospel build their lives on the foundation of God's word. So here's a verse that uh, you probably know, even if you've never read it, because I've been beating you over the head with it for the last month and a half. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Jesus said at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, everyone then who hears these words of the mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is Jesus' concluding statement to the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous teaching. Whoever takes my words and builds their life on them will have a solid foundation. Do you want to know what to do with the gospel, how to live on a solid foundation? Take God's word and build your life on it. The gospel tells us how to be reconciled to God. The gospel tells us how to have eternal life, how to go to heaven. 
The Sermon on the Mount doesn't teach us how to go to heaven. You could look at it and you could say, okay, these are the things I have to do, but that's not the point. It doesn't teach us how to go to heaven. The Sermon on the Mount teaches us how to live on our way to heaven. The gospel is enough for us to have eternal life. So how do you live the gospel? You build your life on the rock by taking God's word and putting it into practice. Okay, so I want to share with you today two short verses. We're kind of getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is what it says. Jesus is talking. Now, keep in mind, he's sort of winding down. He's kind of tying all this together. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. It's a wide, smooth, easy path that leads to destruction. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And few are those who find it. I want to just call your attention to one word in there, the word life. That word life comes from the Greek word zoe. Z-O-E is how it would be spelled in English. And it's not the same as physical life. Um, the word that we would use, that we also translate life, that means physical life, this, you know, being alive, that comes from the Greek word bios. Makes sense? Where we get the word biology, uh, and living things, right? You're, you're familiar with that term. This is a totally different word, and I just want to tell you a little bit about this word zoe. One thing Greek scholars are really good at is sounding like Greek scholars. <laughs> Lucky for you, I am not a Greek scholar. I just know how to use their tools. Uh, so I'm going to just do my very best to paraphrase an academic definition of this word zoe for you in a way that will hopefully be useful to all the rest of us who are not Greek scholars. Okay? Zoe. Actively and vigorously alive in spirit. Actively and vigorously alive in spirit. Alive in the truest and most meaningful sense of the word. A life spent in devotion to God. Zoe is the experience of God's blessing. Here's what a person who has Zoe life does. They live a life on this earth in devotion to Christ, and then they inherit God's kingdom in eternity. That's the Zoe life that Jesus speaks about actively and vigorously alive in spirit. Now, I think we could agree, bios life is a pretty good deal. You know, it's good to be physically alive. That kind of life sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? Like, if that's a thing, I would like to sign up for that. I would like to have me some Zoe life. Jesus says, the gate is narrow and the path is hard that leads to Zoe. We get this, right? Um, it's not always easy to do the right thing. Like uh, if you have a one-year-old, say, and they wake up at 2 a.m. and they're screaming, uh, it's not always easy to do the right thing. The right thing, of course, is to put your pillow over your head. No. <laughs> you, you get up and you take care of them. Yeah. It's not easy to do the right thing, but it doesn't mean you don't do it, right? Zoe is not always easy. It's a, it's a hard path. It's a narrow gate, but that doesn't mean you won't do it. It's not always easy to live the life that God has made for you. And that's exactly why most people don't live the life God has made for them. Here's the thing. I'll just bear some of my soul. Um, if all there was for me, like if I, if I wasn't committed to pursuing God's call for my life, if I wasn't committed to following Jesus, uh, I would devote my life to something else. And I can tell you exactly what that would be. 
I would devote myself to uh, building a career, and this is like, this is so circular and silly, it's funny. Building a career and amassing enough wealth that I didn't have to build a career anymore. <laughs> it's kind of a cycle that a lot of people live in in our society, right? But that's what I would do. And Pastor Rick could tell you this, like if I'm just really honest, because this is a safe place, if, if that's what I was giving my life to, I would probably be the meanest, most ambitious career builder you've ever met. That's, that's the honest truth. Uh, and thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> uh, actually, Pastor Rick said to me the other day, he said, we were having a totally different conversation, and he said, bro, I know that you can be a real bulldog when you want to be. And uh, that's the truth. If Jesus hadn't worked that out of me, I don't think I'd like the person that I would be very much. That's, that's my... That's my reality. Okay, I know this about myself. Jesus has worked that out. But if I wasn't living his call for my life, I would just go with what comes naturally to me, and that's what would come naturally to me. I, I would go with what made the most sense for me, and so would you. If you, you would just go with what came naturally if Jesus wasn't living in you, calling you toward this Zoe life. Now, I've thought a lot about this, okay. Why does it seem like Following Jesus and taking this path that leads to Zoe life is sometimes the hard way, and the road that leads to destruction is sometimes the easy way. That seems unfair, doesn't it? Like, it just seems like the world is backwards. It seems like it should go the other way, right? Like, wouldn't it just be so much easier if doing the right thing was the easy way and doing the wrong thing was the hard way? Uh, I've come up with what I think is a satisfactory answer to why the universe works this way. At least it's satisfactory to me. My reason is because I'm okay with the fact that it's sometimes difficult to live as citizens of heaven while we are foreigners in this world. Sometimes it's hard to go Jesus' way because you don't belong here. If you're a follower of Christ, you're, you're, just, you're moving through. The Sermon on the Mount, it teaches us how to live on our way to where God is taking us. It's sometimes difficult to live as a citizen of this earth, of heaven while we are foreigners in this world. C.S. Lewis said it better, of course, and more famously than me. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And that is true. I could not agree with that more. It's not always easy to live like a person who's on their way to heaven, but it's okay because we're on our way to heaven, right? I mean, it's okay if it's not easy because that's where we're going. But even when it's difficult at times, one of the really redemptive things that we get to hold on to, the, one of the encouraging gifts that God gives us is that along with the gospel, we get this opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. So Jesus is winding down this sermon. He says, hey, enter through the narrow gate. And he puts his, he's putting bookends on his sermon. Back at the very beginning, you might remember, um, he talked about this, um, this calling that those of us who have received the good news had. Back in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Brandon preached an amazing sermon on this. Uh, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, when we see Jesus going around uh, in... in uh, the book of Matthew and throughout the Gospels, uh, what we see often is 
he speaks to large swaths of people, right? Thousands of people flock to him because he's doing all these amazing miracles. But in this case, bear in mind, he's actually pulled away from the crowd and only his immediate followers are with him. Uh, it's probably somewhere between 100, 200 people. It's a group of people that would easily fit in this room, okay? So it's not like a massive crowd. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Now, if I'm there, I'm looking around going, Pastor Rick's the light of the world for sure. I mean, have you met Pastor Rick? He's like one of the most joyful, fun people I know. He's obviously the light of the world, but I'm a bulldog. <laughs> Not really. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And then he makes a couple analogies. He says, a city that's set on a hill, it can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand so that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's given you a role to play. Whether you think you're qualified or not, keep in mind, the gospel is enough to qualify you. And your role is you are the light of the world. I know what you're thinking. I'm not a great light. I got some stuff. He's faithful. He's able. The gospel is enough. Press ahead. I think this church family and the people who make up this church family have been an amazing light in so many ways. And I could just go on forever about them. But just so you don't think I'm making that up, I'm just going to scroll back the conversation we've had just over the last few weeks. Okay, just, just in the past few Sundays. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Hoshi and Lindsay stood up and they talked about um, their Halloween hub, the block party that they had in their neighborhood. Yep. And Lindsay said, I invited one of my neighbors to the, to the women's retreat, and her objection was that it cost. And Lindsay was like, somebody's going to pay for you. It's totally free. Yeah. Because she knew that that's what we do here. Yes. Because you are the light of the world. Matt Grappner wrote an open letter to his church family and just chronicled how you all, we all, have helped him through the darkest season of his life. When there was nothing to look forward to, we helped him understand that God would be with him, and here he is on the other side of it. Last week, we just gave away gift cards to people we don't even know who needed help. We just want to make sure that they had what they needed for Thanksgiving. Next week, we're going to provide some basic needs for some, we're going to solve some easily solvable problems. My point is, that's just been the last couple weeks. You are the light of the world. It's happening. It's, it's what's going on right now. So today I just want to share quickly another story with you. I'm going to ask Kyle if Kyle would uh, pop on up here and find a microphone, hopefully. Uh, this is my friend Kyle. Kyle and I go way back. Most of Kyle's life, not most of my life. Uh, so so uh, why don't you do, do me a favor and maybe you can just kind of introduce yourself and your family and um, maybe just tell everybody kind of where you've been over the last decade and go from there. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so my name is Kyle, as you guys know now. Uh, two weeks ago, we dedicated our little girl, Harper, if you guys were here, uh, who was our first kid. Uh, they're not here today because she has been sick the past couple of days. And it's first time being sick, so as a first-time parent, you know, we're freaking out internally, but we're good. Uh, but we have, for the past 10 years, I've actually been a youth pastor at another church. Uh, just absolutely love youth ministry. I was just a volunteer there beforehand, and they asked me to step in when the youth pastor stepped aside. Uh, and I said, sure. 
and 10 years later, I was still there. Uh, so I was doing something right, I think. <laughs> but I, I just have always loved ministry, been a part of it. Uh, Kelly has seen me through some of the best and worst times. Uh, he officiated my wedding, which was awesome. Got to be part of dedicating our, our little girl, Harper. Um, he also got to deal with what we call my dark ages uh, in high school. Um, I, I had this beautiful haircut we called the double mullet. Um, if you don't know what that is, that's what happens when you have a really tall mohawk and you get tired of putting it up, and so you just let it flop. It looks really bad, but back then I thought I was really cool. Uh, so Kelly's put up with a lot of that through the years. But yeah, that's, that's where we've been, and uh, we just started attending here in September. Uh, it's a new transition, a new phase. Uh, it's, it's especially weird for my wife, who has been in the same church for 27 years. Uh, is now in a new church for the first time ever in her life, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, cool. So you, you and I know each other, yep. but you guys started coming here when I was on sabbatical. I was not around. <laughs> yes. And there were other people you met, but most people didn't know you. And what I really would love to have you share, Kyle, we talked about this before. Uh, I just would love to know what your experience of coming specifically to this church as an outsider was. Yeah. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Kelly and I were talking about it, and he was, he just asked, you know, what do you get from our church? Like, what's the vibe you get? I said, well, first and foremost, it is so welcoming. Like, even without Kelly being here, like, with my wife Taylor and I were driving in, and we are kind of talking, what are we going to expect? What's it going to be like our first Sunday? Incredibly nervous, but as we drive in, you have, you know, Mike and Chelsea and their crew just welcomed us even before we got to the front door. So many people were saying good morning to us. I was, oh, this is, this is really nice. Um, and it's just been an amazing transition where we've just felt totally loved. I told, told Kelly, like, just the culture of community here is so amazing. The fact that I told him it wasn't even just your, your volunteers and your staff. It was everyone in the church. We just felt loved. We felt welcomed from the get-go. And as we were driving away our first Sunday, I was talking to my wife. I was like, all right, what do you think? Because I may be an introvert at heart, but I still love people in the sense that I can belong anywhere. Like, I'll just click with somebody. I may be incredibly awkward. Like, Kelly will make a friend in 45 seconds. I'll sit in the back and watch everyone the first couple of times and then engage. But I'll find somewhere. And so I asked my wife, like, what do you think? And she just said, wow. Like, I felt loved. I felt cared for. And, and I feel like we're at home. And that was just the first Sunday. And so we've, we've loved it ever since. It's been awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, I don't want to belabor it, but, um, so I'm going to say thank you for sharing that, Kyle, yeah. and uh, I'll look forward to hearing more from Kyle again in the future. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, yes, please give him a hand. I, I want to say just a couple of things on that front. Um, you know, Kyle has been like a little brother to me for a very long time, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, I knew I wouldn't be here, but I also didn't feel like I needed to do anything special because I knew that that's what they would find when they got here, even without me. Um, so I want to say thank you for that. But the reason I mentioned all, all of those stories and I just have Kyle come and just share what it was like to walk in as an outsider is that I want to say to you, you are the light of the world. Not you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. It, it's happening. You get, you get that. We are the light of the world. We're doing it. And I want to say way to go for that. The bottom line of all of that for me is, I think this is a great church. I really do. Uh, 
in spite of me being a pastor at this church, I think this is a great church. Um, I think this is a church whose impact is significantly larger than its footprint. Uh, and that is probably more true now than it's ever been. The most generous, loving, courageous people I know are a part of this church. I know that this is a great church. Also the best looking people I know, so that helps too. Uh, for me, as I've just been thinking about these stories, and many of you have your own stories about how people who are part of this community have been significant in your life, as those stories start to sort of pile up, uh, it's funny, it's like being an addict, right? Like, I just want more of them. I want to do more of that. I want to see that impact expand. And we have recently begun to shift our long-term plans, now knowing that, okay, we're, we're not going to be buying, renovating this building, setting down roots here in this part of town. Uh, but what has become obvious is that we do need to do a couple things. One is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God's, God's got plans. He's, he's doing stuff. We just talked about stuff that he's doing. He's going to do that regardless of how it all, all shakes out. So don't worry about it. That's the first thing we need to do. The second thing we need to do is just take the road that will allow us to let our light shine in the brightest way possible, even if it's the narrow road. We need to take that road. All these testimonies have just shown me that we already are the light of the world. It's not about like getting all the pieces in place so then we can start being the light of the world. This is already a great church. We don't, we don't need to worry about the logistics. God's going to take care of that. Uh, we, don't need, we, we just need to position ourselves to let our light shine. And if the impact of this church is more things like those, more stories like those, that's awesome. I will take more of that. So in just a second, I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Rick, and I'm not going to like precurse what he's going to say, because he's a smart guy, and he can say it himself. <laughs> I just want to share this next verse with you. It'll be up on the screen. It's from Job 17.9. It says, the righteous keep moving forward. Some other translations say, the righteous holds to his way. They stay on the path. They keep going. They keep moving forward. It's time for us to begin moving forward, building on the foundation of Christ, letting our light shine as brightly as possible. So I want to ask Pastor Rick to come up and just talk through some of the plans that we have laid out there. Thanks, PK. I just want to... It's uh... <laughs> my affectionate term for him. Pastor Kelly. I just want to say before we get into this, this wasn't in my notes either, so you're going to get more free. Thank goodness you're a bulldog. Seriously. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay, so we already talked about some of the stuff that Pastor Kelly has mentioned about being the light of the world. I had some stuff filled in here that I was going to talk to you about, but I also think that it's much more appropriate for me to just get to the point. I feel the exact same way that Pastor Kelly feels about this church and where it's at and what it's ready to do. And so we have decided that we face this decision where we need to figure out how do we work towards a permanent home while doing what's best for Center Church right now. That's the question that we've been asking ourselves over the past few months, especially with that decision um, for uh, us to not buy this building. I mean, we had moved here with the hopes of doing that. Uh, that's not on the table anymore. Uh, and so we, we need to figure out what do we do now as we work towards a permanent home that puts us in the best position to continue to be a light to the world. And so I just want to take a second before I get to that. I want to recognize a few things. I want to recognize what our teams have done since we landed here 
last spring to turn this space into something that we've been able to use. I think this is important. First of all, everyone who's attached to Center Kids um, has made that space downstairs usable. We, we had two truckloads, Junk and Dump, our favorite company in the world to hire, has taken more than two truckloads of stuff out of the downstairs in order for us to make it usable and presentable for our kids. I just am so thankful that they do that. Not to mention that they set up and tear down every single week. Because while this is our home, right now we share it. And so it's been quite the process. Mike and Chelsea and the Connect team have worked really hard. I love Kyle's testimony because they have created a welcoming environment in a way that is unbelievable to me. So thank you for that. Jessica, Patrick, Andrew have worked really hard for their teams to make the sound and video experience wonderful despite all of the hurdles that it takes to set up and tear down each week because again, we share this space. And so they work really hard to polish a space, but you can only polish a space that needs more than polishing so much, right? I mean, I'm just, that's what I'm going to leave it at. So I want to say thank you to them for doing that. But it's time for us to move away from a space that doesn't represent who we are. It's time for us to move on, to move forward, as Pastor Kelly said earlier, for our teams and for their families and for the people who you will bring to Center Church in the near future. So where are we going? Our leadership is working really hard to purchase a space. This was our goal. It didn't happen. But we're working with a team of professionals to give us the best chance to find the right space for the right price, something that we can buy. And we do have momentum there. I'm just, I'm really happy to say that, but we don't have anything specific to report, so I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, in the meantime, until we find that permanent home that's long-term, we are going to start meeting in January at Skyline Elementary which is an elementary school located on the top of Five Mile in the Mead School District. So yes, we are going mobile. Okay, all right, all right. That was a better response than I anticipated. I thought maybe some... Uh, like, you know, those uh, turkey hangovers might be. But I do want to draw your attention to this section again on the Sermon on the Mount because I think it's so representative of who we are and what we're trying to be. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have this incredibly bright lamp called Center Church, and we want to put it on a stand. We have this incredibly bright lamp called Center Church that we can't leave under a bowl. We have this incredibly bright lamp called Center Church that we want to shine so that God can get the glory. Now, we know and trust that God has the right building for us. And it will be made available at the right time. We are ready for that time to come. And we are going to spend time praying for that here in just a moment. But as we wait for that to be made available, we move forward. We move 
forward. We need to move forward because the people that you are hoping to come to know Jesus through their experience at Center Church, they need for us to have a space that's representative of us. People who, people who are going to come and experience the kids' ministry or the connect team or, or, or uh, some songs that we sing or a message that is preached, we want it to be representative of who we are. We had hoped that this would be it. It's not it, so we are moving forward. For the sake of the mission, we need to move forward. So here's a couple of details that you will want to know. First of all, at the end of the month of December, rather at the end of the year, uh, we have our Christmas Eve service. I'm just going to remind you of that, 5 p.m., no service New Year's weekend. And then January 8th, we move into Skyline Elementary. We've been working with the Mead District for a couple months now. We've been having many discussions with our leadership team about how that's going to work. We're working towards that right now. But January 8th, we will be at Skyline Elementary. A couple of things that are really cool that's happening uh, in tandem with this. First of all, Kyle, who you just heard from, is going to be our events, or I'm sorry, our environments team coordinator. Not our events, our environments team coordinator. One of the uh, big components of being mobile means that we need to make sure that our stuff gets there, gets set up, and gets out of there again. And so Kyle and his team will be responsible uh, for doing and helping with that. Um, but with that said, we need to start growing that team, okay? We need to start growing that team again. When we were at um, Westview, we had many, many people setting up and tearing down, and I thought that that was one of my actual favorite parts of the day because we would oftentimes get there and chat and talk and set up, and it was a really neat time. I'm, looking, I'm actually looking forward to that aspect of it again, despite the fact that there are indeed a lot of hurdles for doing that. The good news is we have really capable people overseeing all of those things, including our trailer team. We have some trailer team people in here. Patrick and Katie pulled the trailer once a month. They were super awesome at that. Ron has been really reliable. We want to continue to cultivate the trailer team so that we can get our stuff there. So you're going to be hearing from us about cultivating that team and getting people to sign up for that team here in the near future, but just know that it's coming. So I bet you're thinking to yourself, okay, Pastor Rick, well, what can we do right now? Because, you know, you're always asking. You guys are a really great church. How can we make this or how can we help with this process? Well, the most important thing to us right now is prayer. The most important thing for this church in every aspect of everything we do is that we want to be a praying church. Pastor Kelly and I have been talking about this. It's been something that we've emphasized at moments in our history, uh, definitely a lot more in the recent years with everything that we've gone through as a church as far as moving places and the different things we've encountered. But more so than ever, we want to pray, pray, pray. And so we need you to be a praying church. We need us to be a praying church. Living life on the foundation means that we must be a praying church, does it not? And so we're going to start by praying together today. In fact, Jessica, I'm going to invite you up just to play. I want us to pray today together for a few different things. First of all, our mission. Life on the foundation, that Center Church would be that light to the world, that when we um, are at Skyline, and then when we're at the next place that God has us, and the next place if that's how he sees fit, it doesn't matter that we are the light 
that he intends us to be. So we're going to pray for the mission. We're going to pray that he continues to allow us to be a light. And then we're going to pray and ask God to clarify our long-term home. So I'd like to do it like this. I'm going to lead us into prayer for each specific topic. And then I'm going to give us just a few moments of silence that you can just pray to God. You can join us in prayer that he would hear our collective prayers as a church asking God for these things. Can we do that together today? Yeah, in fact, I'm going to have you stand up for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for the truth that you've put in front of us, that you have indeed been faithful as we look back and we see your goodness and you are able as we look forward to what you have for us. So God, I pray for this this mission that we were, we were called to build our life on the foundation. And God, as we go to Skyline, that our mission would carry with us. And that despite where we are located geographically, that you would carry that mission on through the lives that are Center Church. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for that mission. We're thankful that you've made us a lamp. And God, as we look to how we can best position that to cast a light over as many people as possible, that you have made it clear on where we are going next, but only next right now. God, you don't give us the entire vision for the the rest of our season here on earth. Rather, you just say, take this next step. And this next step allows us to cast a broader light. And I pray that that would be the case, that we would see that, that we would know that, that we would buy into that, that we would be that light. The same work that you've been doing, the testimonies that you've presented us with through the lives of people who are here now are only going to grow because of this church, because of the work that you're doing in the people of this church and through the people of this church. So God, we ask that of you today. Jesus, we finish our prayer time today by just asking you to continue to work on our behalf for that long-term home that you have for us. God, we know building is not a big deal to you, that you have many that you can provide 
And for whatever reason, you've saw fit to send us to Skyline. So I pray that as we're there, that you would continue to pave the path, God, that whatever that might be, that it would come at the right time, that it would come for the right price, and that we would be able to secure it without any hurdles. So God, we ask for that today as a church. Jesus, as you seal this time in our hearts, as our prayers are lifted up to you, and as we plan to pray throughout the coming days and the coming weeks as a church, God, just pray that you would hear our prayers, that that light would only get brighter, that our lamp would only be positioned even higher to cast a wide light, a wide pattern, God. God, that many people would come to know you and give you glory from the efforts of this church and every single person who makes up this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, in just a moment, I'm going to turn you loose, but I just want to say a couple things before I do. First of all, we will get a lot of details. There was, it was really important to us to not overwhelm you with a bunch of details, but to give you the big idea. But in the coming weeks, we will give you more and more details. We will definitely not leave you in the dust. You will know exactly where we're going, exactly where it's at, how to get there, all of that. Don't worry about that. But please, please, please continue to pray with us. Can you do that? Can you do that? Okay, awesome. Well, have a great week. We'll see you guys next week. Blessings.